Welcome back to New World Next Week. I'm James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. And I'm James Evan Pilato of MediaMonarchy.com. Make sure you keep your information private if you choose to create a digital ID. We've got that story. Plus, politics is show business for ugly people. But first, United Nations marks halfway point to Agenda 2030 with their SDG Summit. Grabbing this from TheLastAmericanVagabond.com, the United Nations gathered in their masses in New York City this week for the Sustainable Development Goals Summit 2023 as part of an effort to recommit the world to achieving the 2030 Agenda and the Sustainable Goals by, of course, 2030. This is only the second time the SDG Summit has been convened since the adoption of the 17 SDGs by heads of state and government of all UN member states back in September 2015, back in those good old days. The UN SDGs are a collection of 17 interlinked goals designed to be a blueprint to achieve a better and more sustainable future for all. SDGs were set in 2015 by the UN General Assembly with the intention, of course, of achieving them, duh, by 2030. Part of a larger resolution known as the 2030 Agenda. And James, I've, this is essentially Agenda 21 updated for the 21st century with a more defined goal. Not just a whole century. We're going to do this thing in less than a decade now. The SDGs, of course, part of this whole larger scheme. This is a massive article from Derek Bros on TLAV. Huge thanks to them. But it's basically, yeah, it's basically a halfway to tyranny party in a victory lap celebration. UN outlines goals to further accelerate Agenda 2030. De Capo Guterres included ending hunger, transitioning to renewable energy, closing the digitalization gap, quality education, decent work, and social protection. Those are all very vague and indispensable steps, of course, on the global roadmap. I am deeply encouraged to be detailed in the comprehensive political declaration we are discussing, especially its commitment to improving developing countries' access to the fuel needed to advance the SDGs, finance. They need your green for the greenwash agenda. The high representative acknowledged the need for action to end hunger, which he called a dreadful stain on humanity and an epic threat to human rights. Pretty sure their GMOs were going to feed the world. The transition to renewable energy, on the other hand, is not happening fast enough, he warned. We are proposing new energy compacts in which governments, businesses, and global organizations join forces to invest in decarbonizing energy systems and ensuring a, ensuring a just life and equitable transition from fossil fuels to renewables. So meanwhile, at that UN in New York, which, James, I always like to remind people, and I even double-checked myself before we went on the air to say I'm, I'm not just repeating things I've been saying for decades. Double-checked it. Yes, the UN was built upon slaughterhouse land, slums and slaughterhouse land, blood-soaked abattoir grounds paid for by John D. Rockefeller Jr. to turn into the United Nations. William Zeckendorf and the deal that brought the UN to New York. A little side reading for you. So elsewhere going on in New York, Biden was there begging for billions more for he and McCain's Nazis. In UN speech, Biden presses allies for Ukraine aid to beat back Russian invasion. So that's the question. How, how much aid has the U.S. sent to Ukraine? Well, the CFR says about $76.8 billion. That's what they admit. And every time the money to Ukraine comes up, James, I always just have to admit, sorry we destroyed your livelihoods and damaged a whole generation of kids and killed your grandmas, but 
hundreds of billions of dollars for Ukraine. Other pieces on the grand chessboard were there, such as Elon Musk woos world leaders courting controversy. The Big Brother Corporation reports he is very impressed with Macron, Modi can count him as a fan, and Netanyahu just dropped in to see him. Musk reassures world leaders, hey, I'm an Epstein associate just like you, don't worry. Whoa, they are halfway there, James. Well, halfway there time-wise, but only just getting started in the headlong rush to total technocratic tyranny that this Agenda 2030 represents. And so to set the table for people, yes, it is September, which is the time of year that most normal human beings are thinking about back to school or baseball playoffs or the coming autumn leaves or whatever. But unfortunately, the technocrats and tyrants are gathering in New York for their annual shindig. And yes, this is the second edition of their, so, uh, their uh, Sustainable Development Goals Summit. And as you say, that first one that launched the goals back in 2015, not a lot of people were paying attention to the SDGs and Agenda 2030 back then, but we were. So I'll throw in the flashback to the New World Next Week episode that we did in October of 2015, covering the globalist goals as we were outlining at that time. And look how far we've come, guys. Yay, progress. Um, so people who want the sort of the latest on this, as usual, of course, there's the 24-hour lag between the time we're recording this and the time you watch it. So there may be more developments um, that have passed in the 24 hours or so before you watch this. But at this point, I'll throw in the UN, basically their press release, UN General Assembly ad adopts declaration to accelerate SDGs. Um, which quotes Guterres talking about the SDGs aren't just a list of goals. They carry the hopes, dreams, rights, and expectations of people everywhere. Always whirling, whirling towards freedom. Um, and uh, it, for people who want, you can actually go read the declaration itself. Uh, but the summary here, at point eight, of course, oh no, the achievement of the SDGs is in peril. Oh, we're at the midpoint of the, uh, this agenda and we're alarmed at the progress on most of the SDGs. In fact, we're moving backwards on some of these things. So yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. Give us your money. So yeah, I think you're right about to put the, uh, the emphasis on the financing for climate financing, etc. Um, but people can go read through that list for themselves if they want. But hey, it wasn't just the SDG summit, and it wasn't just the annual General Assembly where you get to see, hear the world miss leaders talking about how many tens of billions they're committing to Ukraine or what have you. It was also a high-level meeting on pandemic pr prevention, preparedness, and response, a high-level meeting on universal health coverage, and a high-level meeting on the fight against tuberculosis. So on the former the high-level meeting on pandemic pre prevention, preparedness, and response. There was, of course, a text, a declaration that was published um, that the states agreed to by a, a tacit consent. If Basically, if the states don't explicitly d disavow them, they are assumed to be in agreement with them, and almost everyone went along with it. There were a few notable exceptions that were basically essentially upset that they, uh, they didn't get their sanctions relief um, shoehorned into this text. But anyway, the actual declaration is up, so you can go read it for yourself, but I'll throw in a couple of articles that I think summarize it pretty well. One from David Bell on brownstone.org, the UN's new political declaration on pandemics, where he goes into a lot of detail breaking down what this actually means and what they're really saying. And then a uh, article that just came out from The Defender, UN President, appro uh, UN President approves pandemic de declaration privacy experts warn of digital gulag. Of course, talking about the vaccine passports and everything else that comes along with this declaration. So 
Anyway, unfortunately, we may only be halfway to the goal, but as I say, I think we're only just getting started in terms of the depths that we are going to descend if these people get their way. And as we have, I think, pieced together quite well these last months, weeks, years, the money, the health, the climate, your fine, all of it are all going to be connected under, under, one, under one rule. IRS, Fed, they're all working on, of course, their new CBDCs, all these things, all the different data points are all really ratcheting up again while they get us to fight about those jerks at Bud Light or whatever moral panic we're supposed to be involved in this week. Arguing over corporations you shouldn't even be supporting in the first place. James, that's how we get going on this New World Next Week, episode 530. And another brick in the wall for our second segment, Australia unveils plans for universal digital ID. Oh, and an AI task force. Grabbing this from the very important biometricupdate.com, Australian Finance and Public Service Minister Katie Gallagher unveiled the government's draft legislation on a universal digital ID in a speech this week aiming to streamline Australians' interaction with government and third-party organizations through a single government-run identification platform. Centralization for the win. The platform would consolidate various official ID documents such as passports and driver's licenses, enhancing efficiency in accessing services and potentially improving assistance during potentially improving assistance during emergencies. Yeah, it, could, it could happen. The current digital ID, MyGov ID, used by over 10.5 million Australians to access 130 services across 40 different government agencies, is limited to accessing government services and verifying individuals biometrically against their passports. The proposed universal system aims to allow for a national, economy-wide biometric identity verification system. While targeting a reduction in identity crime, which currently affects one in five Australians, the initiative also aims to mitigate data breaches, a top concern for three-quarters of Australians, according to an Office for Blah 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 survey. Longer chains! Bigger cages! The new system is intended to limit data breaches by restricting hackers' access to personal information. James, I think we can go out on a limb here and give the New World Next Week guarantee that it will increase breaches. Make a note, mark it down. Australians will no longer have to hand over documents to private corporations. Ensuring the voluntary nature of participation and inclusivity, which is a word they just made up, that's why it gets the red underline in my text program, Inclusivity and the nature of voluntary participation, James, again, the gall of so much of this. The voluntary nature remains a priority in the digital transformation with alternative non-digital channels continuing to be available and per-use opt-in permissions available if it pleases the Kafka crown. You have to go beg them if you can opt out. According to news.com.au, the announcement was welcomed by Simon Bush, chief executive of IT Industry Group, the Australian Information Industry Association. He says, quote, We have been urging the federal government to adopt a digital ID to improve service delivery and interoperability with other departments and states that will benefit all Australians. The proposed legislation will provide strong regulation for accredited digital ID providers to make sure they keep your information private and secure if you choose to create and use a digital ID to access online services. 
Gallagher has initiated a three-week consultation period for the draft bill, aiming to launch the final version later this year. James, it seems another once wild and free nation brought to its knees. Certainly seems that way. It seems it's been heading that way for a while, and this may be the final nail in that coffin. So my deepest condolences to my Australian brothers and sisters out there, but unfortunately, it's not just them. Um, people may have forgotten, but I certainly haven't, that my New World Next Week story for the year, tw- my prediction for the trend for 2023 was digital ID, the digital ID cometh. And boy, is it coming. And it's not just Australia. It is happening all across the globe, as evidenced by a number of stories that came out just this week. And why this week in particular? Oh, did you know? It was digital, or no, it was ID day last week. Yes, that's right. On the 16th of September, apparently every year, it is being celebrated as ID day, a day to raise awareness of the 850 million poor poor people around the world who don't have government-issued identification. Oh, and so they can't be cattle-tagged and tax-farmed as the good cattle that they are. So we have to make sure they all get them as part, of course, of the UN Sustainable Development Goals. And why 16th of September? 16.9. Oh, because UN SDG 16.9 is the everyone needs identity as a human right. So we have to cattle tag each and every one of you. Um, anyway, so that happened last week. But what else happened last week? Oh my god, we're just getting started. Um, so another biometric update of importance. Biometrics replacing IDs in airports, backing them for government services, which is an extensive article that you think is just going to be about airports or something, but it's about everything. Um, noting about uh, the digital travel credentials that are being t- tested between Netherlands and Canada right now, but are being rolled out at airports across the United States, including Kansas City International Airport, which features capabilities for global entry members to use biometrics and mobile devices without physical documentation. Yay! Um, uh, details for Kenya's new digital ID system have been unveiled. A TOTUM, T-O-T-M, subsidiary assigned an MOU, a Memorandum of Understanding, to work closely with a Filipino mobile phone maker to integrate biometrics and ID management, blah, blah, blah. Ethiopia's national digital ID continues with integration by the Ministry of Education as the student identification for admissions, record management, license, and national exams, etc. An aspirational example to the UK coming from Denmark and other countries to deliver government services through digital ID, blah, blah, blah. It keeps going on. This this list keeps going on and you think, well, surely that's all the news about digital ID from this week. No, no, no. We're just getting started. There's another article. Singapore, Dubai, Aruba airports embrace biometrics for passport-free traveler clearance. And there's another article. Here's one. G20 announces plan for worldwide digital ID and CBDC, noting European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen calling for a digital ID system similar to coronavirus vaccine passports. Oh, wow. No one saw that coming. And you would have been fact-checked to oblivion if you had said that back in 2020, right? Oh, anyway. But don't worry, guys. If you're worried about this complete, total, worldwide rollout of the digital gulag that is taking place all around the world simultaneously, relax, guys. The BRICS are fighting against this agenda, right? Oh, wait. So there's uh, the latest post up from uh, Edward Slavsquat's blog, Russia Must Close the Cattle Tag Gap, where he talks about uh, the wonderful biometric steps that the Russian government is taking, including um, the facial uh, recognition and biometric screening that is going up in 
in in school after school after school all across Russia at the moment. And if you think this is part of some coordinated agenda, you're exactly right. Because back in 2021, the Russian health minister, Mikhail Murashko, um, talked specifically about plans to issue genetic, digital genetic passports to all Russians. Yeah, you got to read that to believe it. It is insane what is happening. And, oh, uh, you know, oh, flee to China with their social credit system or whatever else. No, this is a complete worldwide rollout that is happening right now in earnest. The digital bars of this digital prison are coming down all around us. And unfortunately, I'm not even, I I wasn't even specifically searching for this, but all I saw this week was all of these stories coming uh, coming like a brick wall at 100 miles an hour. And we're about to smash into that wall. So I think people need to put this pr- probably a little closer to the front burner in terms of uh, stories that they're they're thinking about. And on some level, I mean, you got to say, man, I'm glad they're doing this. It's such a pain in the ass to get my passport. Oh, look, I already got it. <sighs> that was five seconds, James. I couldn't possibly carry around my <laughs> Ralph passport. Hey, this is this is at least what, what got me in and out of Japan. I don't know if it'll ever do it again, though, buddy. What, you said totem. T-O-T-E-M. T-O-T-M. T-O-T-M. Still, still totem, of yeah. course. And maybe even in that Kabbalistic way of, oh, we tried to remove all of the vowels mm. from it. That's obviously, I mean, totem, totem pole, again, they are constantly using real things that they destroy and mutate and gain a function to turn into some sort of disgusting monster. Again, it's kind of like a horror movie. (sighs) Oh, wait, that was too early. We still have our third story. (laughs) (laughs) And our third and final story is kind of a larf. James, I don't know. I, I think I messaged this to you guys on Monday. I was like, well, I got my story. I don't think I'll see anything more media monarchy this week for New World Next Week. Foxconn founder picks Netflix actress as presidential running mate. <laughs> Brought to you by Netflix. Taiwan billionaire Terry Go has chosen an actress whose Netflix drama sparked a Me Too movement as his running mate in January's presidential election. It sounds like just clickbait buzzwords that you could cram as many as you could into a sentence. Tammy Lai, 60, is a veteran in show business, but her candidacy has surprised many given her complete lack of political experience. Mr. Go, the founder of iPhone maker Foxconn, is running as an independent. Taiwan will vote for a new president in the shadow of an increasingly assertive China. The self-governed island has been a democracy since 1996. Although Chinese claims over it are not new, this election will be the first since Beijing has made it ever clear that it would not rule out force to take the island. Mr. Go described Ms. Lai, quote, as an outstanding all-round writer and spiritual mentor while announcing her as his running mate. We have no political baggage and we're deeply concerned about the needs of the people. Ms. Lai said she knew little about politics, but, quote, after meeting Mr. Go a few times, I find him to be someone I can cooperate with because he's very interesting. This just this just has powerful world leader just <laughs> written all over it. Again, maybe we could do better to have people who don't know what they're doing. We often joke here in the States, gridlock in Congress is the best thing you can hope for because they're not screwing us at that time. 
Ms. Lai played a presidential candidate, a character seemingly thought to have been inspired by Taiwanese President Tsai Ing-wen in the Netflix show Wave Makers. The series sparked a Me Too movement in Taiwan earlier this year, setting off allegations that rocked several industries. Politicians, activists, celebrities, and others accused of sexual harassment and even assault. As public reckonings and apologies followed, Ms. Tai herself apologized and promised reform. But Mr. Goh's unconventional VP pick might not affect the results of the January election, says Dennis Wang, associate professor at Sam Houston State University in the U.S. Tammy Lai had a great performance in Wavemakers, and most of the audience are young people, but young people do not support Terry Goh, he told BBC Chinese. Mr. Goh, who has pledged to bring Taiwan back from the abyss of war with China, decided to run on an independent ticket after he failed to secure the Coke or Pepsi nomination. Mr. Goh appealing to voters with his business success and experience working in China. He started the home of the sweatshop suicide Foxconn in 1974, and the company, of course, has become a main supplier of high-radiation-emitting tracking devices for Apple. Sidebar, James, I don't know if you saw this today. They've got their new crapple iPhone slave devices coming out soon. They're warning the stores you're going to see a rampant increase in crime, as they already are seeing. But in France, they made, and Apple did it, they made Apple adjust the radiation settings in those devices. So France actually gets less radiation on their pink bits from their iPhone slave devices than we do here in the rest of the world. Really a little interesting sidebar. But let's put even more media in this monarchy and go back to June of this year. Taiwan sees Me Too outpouring after Netflix show. Taiwan is being rocked by a wave of sexual harassment and assault allegations. As we see when these things happen, James, it's just, it's like a, I think it's a pylon. I think it's a copycat effect. I am not denying any of these allegations, but where were they before? Again, because for now it costs nothing to be a patriot. All sparked by a Netflix show. More than 90 people have spoken out, accusing people all across the island. The allegations first centered on politics and the ruling Democratic Progressive Party, where several senior officials resigned. But they spread across Taiwanese society, with allegations being made against doctors, professors, sporting umpires, and the dreaded YouTubers. For many women, the moment is long overdue in Taiwanese society, otherwise praised globally for its progressive politics and commitment to gender equality. The aforementioned President Tsai Ing-wen, the island's first female leader, has apologized and vowed reform. Other headlines seemingly written by AI algorithms, Me Too allegations against celebrity Sheikh Taiwan, and the iPhone billionaire who wants to be Taiwanese president. James, one extra bit of breaking news because... It's a rich tapestry. I just found out that our illustrious New Mexico governor, Wuhan Luhan, she's in Taiwan right now. Luhan Grisham, leading state trade delegation in Taiwan. So, of course, she's trying to sell out more of New Mexico to giant multinational corporations. And James, as you noted before we started taping, she's also, you know, burnishing up that image of like, I've spoken to world business leaders. It, you know, it can really help your, your political stature when you seem to be going for some kind of move. Remember, Netflix bought Albuquerque Studios. Maybe, 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 maybe Michelle can be in her own Netflix show. James, I'm surprised and maybe in some slight ways disappointed that we don't already have just live running man shows and mandatory masked singer selections. I'm sure they're working on it. 
It's coming. Wait, wait, wait until they unleash it in the next season of America's Next Top President or what have you. Yeah, no, the, 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 the overlap between show business and politics isn't any more just a kind of a funny way of, uh, oh, you know, politics is show business for ugly people. No, there's a real core truth to that at this point, because it is the distractionary sideshow that is meant to capture your attention and your imagination. So there is, there's no surprise whatsoever that more media figures start to populate the political world because they're good at grabbing your attention and distracting you from how power really operates, a.k.a. Zaphod Beeplebrox for any Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy fans out there. Um, having said that, yeah, uh, you're right. This is like a smorgasbord of buzzwords of Netflix and Foxconn and Me Too, and you know, I'm sure they could throw in a few more buzzwords to, to basically put in this hodgepodge stew. Um, but... Uh, what does it ultimately amount to? Someone who literally admits, I, I don't know anything about politics, I don't think about politics, but this guy came and asked me to run with him, so okay, <laughs> I'll give it a shot. <laughs> what could go wrong? I, I played something on TV once. <laughs> Ridiculous. But, okay, I will confess, I am not up to speed on Taiwanese domestic politics, so I, this is not an informed opinion, but just given the general rule of thumb, that the most blood, the person with the most blood on their hands, or the most willing to get their hands bloody, will probably be selected for positions of power. I'd have to say, given yeah, Foxconn credentials and the fact that the only thing I or probably anyone else on the planet knows about Foxconn is, oh yeah, the suicide nets to stop their slave workers from shuffling off this mortal coil. <laughs> yeah, that seems seems like he's a shoe in. And and plus, think of the. Think of the signs that you can make with this. Go lie 23. I mean, come on. This is gold. <laughs> Again, a sweatshop suicide company primarily used by a corporation that tries to gaslight you into thinking they're some sort of progressive angels. Did you see the carbon neutral Apple Watch commercial where they're talking to Mother Nature? Oh, don't worry. We've... We've made these new watches, and they're carbon neutral. It, uh, you have to see this. It is the cringiest thing ever. In a world where it seems there is no end to, th to the cringe of it all, James. There it is. Uh, good. Well, we got the New World Next Week sigh out of the way earlier on. I feel, I feel, a, little, I feel a little better now. <laughs> We're good. Uh, you know what will make us all feel a little better? The latest... Corporate Report USB. There it is. 2012, you guys. We have them on hand. They are going up on the store, and we will be taking orders basically by the time you are hearing the sound of my voice again. I like to forget to remind people. I play the exclusive audio of these brand new New World Next Week episodes before they are published anywhere after my Thursday morning monarchy show on the streams. So that's probably about 18 hours from now. We will have the USBs up. They will be ready to roll. And also my music compilations. Huge thanks to the handful of folks that have checked out the Monarchy music compilations. Those are some of my radio shows that have rock and roll, that have all electronic, that have all country music. Again, as I said last week, they will keep you going on epic road trips. James, there are people who have told me, all I listen to is pump up the volume in the car. Like, I am basically their music radio, and that's basically all I ever wanted to be. So, James, that is Corbett Report shirts. we got the latest installment of the archive, and we will be working on the listing on the store at newworldnextweek.com to hopefully make things a little more streamlined and easy. 
And I think that's all, James. <laughs> I think that'll cover so it for this week, I guess. We've we've provided enough. Then there will be a bajillion links this week, so I hope people I hope people are using the links and uh, helping to spread the information. But on that note, you got well, something to say? I was going to say just that people might not be able to give the shows mm. to people. Right. Because they'll hear us yeah. making fun of Coke and Pepsi, exactly. and they might kind of knee-jerk and get turned off. If you're not able to do that, again, the links. We do a lot of work, and I think we are some of the best at it in alternative media that have been doing it for 30-plus years at linking and, and, and citing all of our sources. So if you can't hand out the show with the guy who doesn't comb his hair and all that, the links. The links we, we still stand behind. 30-plus so years combined for those who don't understand. <laughs> Wait, you were doing this in the 1990s? Anyway. <laughs> you are one of those militia guys, weren't you? <laughs> On uh, Donahue. There's a deep cut reference. Anyway. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a simpler time. Yeah. On that note. All right, buddy. Let's do it again next week. All right, man. Peace. Take care.